Welcome to the Medical Management Podcast, a podcast focused on helping you level up your practice. Through interviews with some of the most successful leaders in the industry, we help uncover resources, tools, and ideas to help you level up your practice. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's program. Hello, and welcome to the MedMan Podcast. I'm excited today to welcome back Molly Ramsey to the show. We're going to spend some time talking about deliberate culture, as well as diving deeper into one of our MedMan values. Molly is the Corporate Operations Director here at MedMan and one of the four principals of the company. Molly, welcome back. Hey, Jesse. Happy to be here. I, uh, I'm grateful that you'd be so willing to come back on the show with such a quick turnaround after doing your interview with Jay. Thank you. <laughs> Happy to do it. Well, the reason I wanted to ask you back so quickly is there's a, a specific topic on being very deliberate with an organization's culture and how do you develop it? maintain it, maybe rescue it if it's gone astray. And and you're just my favorite person to talk to about these kinds of things. So excited to dive into it. Molly, let's kick things off with our own story. Let's let's use MedMan as, as an example. There are lots of reasons for us to step in, in in 2018 when Jim was getting ready to sell the company and we had the opportunity to meet the moment. There were lots of things motivating us for it, whether it was career path or finance, you know, financial success, but culture played a huge part in it. Can you maybe share with me and the audience a little bit about MedMan's culture up to that point and why it played such a big part in our business decision? Yeah, absolutely, Jesse. Well, and I'm, I'm happy to be invited to talk about this because I think just in the most uh, recent episode that I was kind of interviewed for my, my introduction was a question that Jay posed to me in terms of what is the biggest challenge that I'm being faced with in my job. And my response was related to culture. So this is something that's definitely heavy on my mind. And as you suggested, when we were contemplating, you know, the purchase of the organization back in 2018, this was like the slam dunk reason why I wanted to jump on board was the culture. You know, every organization or clinic is going to have culture. You either have kind of the culture that has happened to you. You know, it's the default culture. It's happenstance. Or your culture is created through deliberate action. And MedMan was definitely a product of its founder's emphasis on culture. And it was probably best described by how you felt as an employee. So, you know, with the four now owners of MedMan, we happen to have all were previously employed by the company. So we got to experience it. And what I mean by how it felt is, you know, how you felt supported, how you felt connected to the individuals. And it wasn't just on a professional basis. You know, you felt kind of on a personal standpoint that these were individuals that were making you better just all around as an individual. They were individuals that you wanted to spend time with um, outside of work. You would choose to spend time with them. <laughs> you wouldn't right, feel right. resentful if you had to spend time with them outside of work. And professionally, you know, it was a culture of not wanting to be the, the person that was kind of getting drug along um, because everyone was challenging you to kind of, you know, rise, rise up and be on your A game. Yeah. And that was because of the, you know, the particular way in which Jim was 
um, very deliberate in kind of creating the relationships and how people were selected to be, you know, members of the the Medman family, so to speak. I know that there were big parts of our culture, kind of things that we would put in our orientation and in our interview process where we would, you know, kind of tout these big cultural things. But there were lots of small things that Jim enforced that were deliberate and and very impactful when it came to our culture. Can you tell me maybe a few examples of the small but deliberate things that Jim used to do? Oh, for sure. So a couple of things, just even on the the interviewing standpoint, and you know, for those <laughs> individuals who are maybe listening to this podcast, uh, you know, little make note of this. So we always shared a meal with a candidate for as part of our interview process, and that was a couple of layers to that. One in that. You know, you put someone in a social setting and you just get to see a little bit more about their personal, you know, their ability to kind of build relationships and carry on conversations. And then really the most important piece of that was how do these individuals interact with other people outside of those folks that you're at the meal with? So the wait staff, people as you're entering in the restaurant. So what he was looking for is people who are going to hold the door as you're walking in to the restaurant. As someone is filling the water glass, does that candidate um, acknowledge the wait staff and tell them thank you for filling the water glass? Those things are absolutely very deliberate. Another example that during our interview process was that really stood out to Jim as a prospective person joining Medman is, you know, how how hungry were they for the job? So, you know, if someone were to say, Oh, I'm sorry, I've got a, a conflict, I can't meet you there, you know, Jim would kind of take that as a moment of pause and say, okay, how hungry is this person? And so, right. you know, he would actually, I, I can remember of actually a couple of instances where he would say, hey, Molly, I'm flying from point A to point B and I've got a layover in this destination. And I know we're talking to a candidate who happens to live in this area. See if they'll meet me at the airport and interview with me. And that was really telling to Jim and, you know, and I eventually learned as well is if someone was willing to make, you know, kind of jump through a couple of hoops to accommodate, you know, Jim's schedule at the airport and meet in kind of a random location for this interview, they obviously had a pretty strong interest in the job. And for the couple of instances that come to mind, those people ultimately did get the job and ended up being really great additions to our team. I love that. And I think that that's carried forward in, in you and me as we're, as we're interviewing people. I, I know me personally, I want to see a little bit of hunger. I mean, I know that I'm interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing me. But if somebody's a little bit, how do I say this, lukewarm in, in their commitment or their interest or in, in getting together or whatever it may be, I take it extremely personal. And I'm like, look, if you're not excited to come work for me, I don't, I don't have time for this. And I, I, I you know, I move on. <laughs> maybe it's a little petty, but I think that that maybe is influenced from Jim's uh, persistence on that kind of stuff. And I know in our yeah, interview absolutely. process, there's the, do you want to hang out with this person? Would you like to hang out with this person at MMU or, you know, our company get together? And, and at first I thought that was kind of silly, but now I respect it a lot because Jim wanted us to have real relationships and that requires us to have social relationships too and to want to be near these people when you're not having to be near them is is essential i like that absolutely well jesse i want to flip that question to you in terms of you know what were some of the the deliberate things that jim was so set on doing yeah that you picked up on yeah you know he was whenever somebody would come to town or if i was to go to his house or basically 
in the essence of him or us entertaining somebody else in, in our setting. Like he wanted to make sure we were on time, that there was something set up for them, that there were all these things to make them feel special. And when that didn't happen, he wouldn't let somebody live that down. And I loved that. I think you and I, you found an old letter of an administrator who hadn't really rolled out the red carpet for another visiting administrator who was coming to help him and do work for him. And, and he let him have it. Like, no, you let him sit in the waiting room. You you relate to this. You weren't super welcoming here. You didn't invite him to dinner. You didn't. And, and that was important to him that if we were committed to each other, we're in this team together, you show you show this person that your, your respect and your investment in them by doing these things. Other small things, we had a meeting on Fridays that was absolutely essential. And unless you were with a client on an assessment or out traveling or something like that on PTO, you were there and you were there on time and you, you respected that time. That was when we made important business decisions and you're going to be there. Gosh dang it. I think about those things all the time. I do remember an example of, of yours where a, a high-level chief operating officer candidate came to town and, and interviewed. And maybe I've shared this story on the podcast before, but he wouldn't look at the waitress. He wouldn't acknowledge her. He wouldn't say thank you. He didn't do any of that. And, and that bugged Jim like crazy. And when Jim told him he didn't get the job and he asked for a reason why, he included that. And this candidate was just blown away. But Jim finally explained, you know, if you're going to be in our clinics, you're going to be rubbing shoulders with receptionists and medical assistants and other people who are, you know, maybe not in your quote unquote social circle. And if you're not treating them well, if you can't look them in the eye and be grateful and, and courteous and, and talk to them, then you're just going to make us look bad in all these clinics. And, and, and the guy, I don't, I don't think he ever took that lesson to heart, but it's these small things that mean big, that make big impacts, right? Absolutely. Molly, tell me how you've seen at the risk of being a little bit vulnerable, you and me as, as owners, but how has the culture changed from where Jim took it to 2018 to where it is now? How has it evolved for the good or, or bad? Yeah, you know, I, I think the, the jury's still out on this a little bit, Jesse, um, in the sense that we're going on a couple of years in terms of ownership and, and culture is something that you can't hurry up and, you know, hit the fast forward button and get to the, the destination that you want to be at. So, you know, as we were suggesting early on in this conversation is we inherited or we were fortunate to, you know, buy into a company and inherit a culture that we were excited about. Yeah. Um, and that had previously you know, had been highly influenced by one individual because Medman was owned by, you know, one person. And now we come along and there's four of us. And so there are four personalities. And, four and very different personalities, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. Yes. So uh, to give, you know, any of those of you who are listening to this, the, the four of us, owners of MedMan, if you are familiar with the DISC assessment, each one of us, our primary personality is represented by each of the quadrants. And so I am a very high S and Jesse is a very high I and our counterparts um, represent D and C. So we couldn't be more different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when you look at us as owners, you know, and, and culture is very much influenced by each and every member of the company. It's not, you know, top down. 
And so we certainly have an important part in it, though, because as leaders, whether, you know, it's us with a medman or it's a manager within a department or whatever, a lead within the front desk, whatever it might be, you have to model the behavior and model it as a leader. And that is so, so important. And, you know, I, I think we're still kind of finding our groove in terms of what that looks like. And I'm happy to report. And I, you know, I, I hope that our employees would report that much of what was good about MedMan in terms of the culture um, remains in existence. But we have also, you know, to be do some self-reflection and be really honest is that we also, you know, have come to learn that we maybe were a little bit lax on some of the things that we had previously been really deliberate about or that Jim had really emphasized. And now we get it, why he paid attention, you know, to some of those details. And, you know, we didn't maybe realize the impact of kind of loosening up the reins on some things or not paying attention to something as making it a priority as much as he had. And now we're kind of learning why it was that he did the things that he did. And so, you know, it's been important for us to kind of step back and just have a conversation and say, you know, what are our priorities and do we want to continue to make this a priority or recommit to it? And that's a work in progress, I would say. Absolutely. It's kind of the college kid or the kid that's going off to college, right? With the really strict parents and you you realize after a few crazy benders or or whatever it is and your grades are going low and all, all these are all the reasons you know your parents said to go to bed on time and not do this and not do that that's how i felt like yeah loosen up a little bit but after a few years you see the the effect of it can i share an example of just oh absolutely exactly that i remember when hillary my wife and i were building our house we had a only one opportunity to get into the design studio to pick out the carpet the colors the everything and it happened to land on a Friday during our CT meeting, which was a no-no for Jim. Like you had to be at those meetings. And I emailed him and I asked for permission. I explained the circumstances and he's just like, you know, I really feel for you, Jesse, but I need you to be at that CT meeting. And I was grumpy about it. I took the meeting from the car so that I could, as soon as it was done, hop back into the design studio and help pick out stuff. And and I was late. And by the time I got there, Hillary had chosen everything. And so you know, she was not happy with me and and I didn't have a single say in what's in our house, except for the the thickness of the carpet pad was all I got. <laughs> and and so, you know, that was one of those moments I was like, man, you know, why didn't he just lighten up a little bit? And then you fast forward and I think a month or two ago, we had a CT meeting on a Friday and I was late and then I came in and then I had to leave and then Randy was late and he came in while I was gone. And then Jay had to stay out for a second and so did somebody else. And and the meeting was terrible, right? Like everybody was so frustrated that was on there because you couldn't make a decision because one of the people wasn't there. I'd come back in and everybody would have to catch me up or, or something like that. And you called it out. And it was that moment. I remember that, that design studio story. I was like, this is why. Because of this chaos. This doesn't serve anybody. Our decisions are being made. We're disrespecting each other. And this, is, this means something culturally. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Perfect example. Yeah. You know, Molly, even even the best of us can fall into the cultural pitfalls. Can you maybe enlighten us on what some signs are for an organization whose culture is possibly eroding or or is just in a in a shallow state? Absolutely. You know, I think this is something that we've learned both through kind of personal experience as well as opportunities that we've had to observe in some of the medical groups that we have done work with or have or 
taken on as managed clients. And that is a couple of things as I think about this question. It's paying attention to behavior changes. Perhaps when someone, their attendance starts to become a little bit more spotty at meetings or events, whether it's business or social events. But that someone who maybe was a, a regular attendee is now becoming a little bit more hit or miss in attending those. Perhaps someone who is not being as timely in their responsiveness. So, you know, whether it's a, a phone call back or responding to an email or, you know, they've got a task assigned to them and their, their response time is, is slower. It's maybe perhaps someone who stops bringing up issues or asking for things because their perception is that it's not going to get done anyway, you know, or kind of having that attitude of like, why do I even bring it up? It's not going to get done. I actually asked a question of our administrators about, you know, what are some of the types of things that they are doing to create a deliberate culture? And I got a response back and I had just posed this question this afternoon and one of our administrators responded and said, you know, paying attention to the small things and helping them, you know, with something as, you know, what might seem as simple as getting them a new keyboard <laughs> was her example. And I was like, yes, definitely. You know, those are things that are important to someone because it's going to make their job easier. And right. if you're not being timely about addressing some of those things and kind of kicking it down the, the priority list or stalling then they're going to start to kind of get dis disenfranchised about like, you know, this organization doesn't care about me. Maybe another pitfall, you know, that kind of comes to mind, Jesse, is just people who maybe were previously those individuals who were really quick to raise their hands, you know, to volunteer for something or spearhead the Sunshine Committee or things like that. And now you're starting to see that they're no, no longer kind of being that person that you can kind of count on to pipe up and say, yeah, you know, count me in. I'll do whatever I need to. I'm kind of becoming emotionally distant. I think those are all some of the kind of the, the red flags or the, the indications that maybe there's a little bit of discontent or some potential problems in terms of kind of the culture of the organization. I like that a lot. I like where your head goes because it's not when you're looking for the signs, you got to go to these individuals and start testing things. And I think there are very foundational things that demonstrate respect to one another that you're talking about those timeliness things and responsiveness and, and then just general engagement. Yeah. Bringing the, the flow of ideas, the amount of volunteerism, if those aren't there, yeah, they're those, those are vital signs for sure. Yeah, you know, people, you're you're going to start to see this rift in, in culture is so much of how do we work together and how does the team bond? <laughs> and so if you're starting to see kind of those those frays or those cracks in relationships and, and how people are interacting or changes in how they once interacted, then those definitely, it's time to ask some questions and do some reflection. Absolutely. I'm guessing that where somebody would start is by doing that kind of assessment, both of maybe sampling some individuals in your clinic and then doing some self-reflection. Once you've done that, where do you begin to build? After you've done the assessment and all that kind of stuff, where it seems so large and overwhelming. Like You said this in the beginning that it's not anything you can fast forward. Anything you do takes a long time to figure, you know, for any sort of reward or change. It's overwhelming. So how do you, where do you start in creating or fixing an organization's culture? Oh man, <laughs> That's there's a, a million yeah. dollar question, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So first step, realizing that culture takes time and cultivation, as you just suggested, Jesse, you know, and 
good intentions and talking about it will not move the dial on improving your culture. So, you know, and I think so many of us, we have really good intentions and I, I have them like daily of, I need to reach out to this person and then I don't act on it. You know, that's what I think about culture in organizations is that you, you know, you kind of dream up what you want and you think, you know, this is what it is. But if you're not acting on it, there's going to be a disconnect. And so you have to act on those intentions. And that's going to take time and being very, very deliberate. And so paying attention to all those little just granular nuances kind of that we were mentioning before that Jim was so good about and that we are where you kind of are picking up on in terms of our own style and our own culture now moving forward. But what are those nuances? And so this is going to sound very cliche in terms of kind of the the most important stuff is just visualizing it. You know, you have to be able to articulate what you want your culture to look like and what you want it to feel like for employees. And so it's pulling the employees. It's, you know, talking to the governing board, asking employees like, you know, what's the environment that if you, if all these things were in place for you to not ever want to leave, what would it look like? (laughs) And for providers and the governing board to say, would this look like and feel like for you to want to come to work every day and feel like you're satisfied professionally and personally? And so it's getting people to articulate what does it look like and feel like? And then you start to kind of build that action plan of what are the activities that we can be doing that's going to support that quote unquote feeling. I love it. Molly, thank you. This has been so good. I have so many ideas that are coming out of this, specific examples of where I need to begin contributing better to our own culture and and how, you know, maybe some areas where I can coach some of our administrators in their own clinics cultures. So I hope our listeners are taking away some some good ideas here. Yeah, I know, Jesse. I'm happy to be talking about it. And certainly it's, you know, a work in progress for all of us and and just reminding ourselves that we need to carve out time to work towards it. So yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course. And thank you everybody for tuning in and listening. I hope it was it was beneficial. For any other episodes, you can find us on most podcast platforms, but also you can visit us at medman.com for all of our episodes as well as anything else that Medman does. Tune in next time where Molly and I will be diving deeper into one of our Medman values, positivity, and getting into the structure of it. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Medical Management Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's featured guest. For the show notes, transcripts, resources, and everything else MedMan does to help you level up, be sure to visit us at medman.com.